Okay, we've finished a couple of series over the last week or two, so what we're going to be doing just now is I'm just going to have a, a little uh, change, if you like, and look at some themes, some themes over the next few weeks. And what I'm going to look at in the morning is looking at overcoming some of the problems that we face in life. And what I'm going to be looking at today is, is overcoming life's hardships. And just as a verse to start us off, a, a passage, just to look at uh, Job chapter 1 from verse 6. So it's Job chapter 1 from verse 6. And we read that one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going to, going to and fro on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So let's come and let's pray together. Father, we thank you just for that insight and that passage from your word into some of the, the workings that go on in, in heaven and hell that are beyond our understanding. Father, we pray that you'll help us to see how this applies how this is relevant to our life experience. And Lord, having seen it, you'll help us to go on to live it and to live our lives in obedience to you. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to begin what I'm going to say to you this morning by sharing with you a story that's just stuck in my memory over the years it's the story of a, a South African nurse who, living in Scotland, you know, had this incredible experience. This nurse's name is Magdalene McCola. And in December 2008, she was kidnapped and then imprisoned for 10 days in the boot of her car by a man by the name of Justice Ngema. And this man later was sentenced to serve a minimum of eight years in prison for this crime. But imagine that ordeal. Eight, sorry, ten days cramped up in the boot of an Astra. If it was something bigger and roomier, it might anyway. But cramped in the boot of an Astra. Bound, gagged, blindfolded. With not a, a morsel of food or a drop of water. When she finally got out... On Boxing Day 2008, this was because she managed to chew through her gag two passing policemen 
then heard their cries and rescued her. Now, not surprisingly, she was suffering from hypothermia, from frostbite, dehydration, renal failure, and we could go on and on a little bit longer. But you know, what amazed the media was what she said about her time in that car boot and also her attitude both after her captivity and then later at her abuser's trial. For you see, Magdalene was very clear about her Christian faith. And she shared with the media again and again that it was her faith that had brought her through this terrible ordeal. She said in, in one newspaper article, I remember going over and over in my mind a passage from the Bible. It's from Jeremiah. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. And she said, I kept thinking of this and praying that the Lord would find me. And as for the, the one who put her through this ordeal, again and again, she said that she's forgiven him, and she said that she prays that he will repent and he will turn to God. But there's one quote I found, I was looking through all this, that I especially liked, that for me gave a, a tremendous insight into just the character and the spirit of this woman. And th this is what she said. I do forgive him. He put me through the most awful ordeal imaginable. It could have destroyed me. And it's only by the grace of God and the power of prayer that I lived. He picked the wrong person. He should have known better than to hurt a child of God. I like that. Now, at the time, I heard a, a, some of a discussion of this on, on Radio Scotland as I was driving around, and the panel who were discussing this, they just couldn't take it in. How this lady had emerged from this experience emotionally and mentally whole. And so they rolled out their expert at the time on, on mental health, a Cynthia McVeigh. And her comments were that research shows that faith helps people to deal with demanding situations. And that the ability to forgive helps people to recover rather than being eaten up by bitterness as a result of what they've gone through. And then her final words were along the lines of, the only reaction to this is awe. Awe. That this lady could handle this in this way. The only reasonable reaction is a sense of awe and wonder. Now my response was, you've got that partly right. But this isn't just about a remarkable woman. And this isn't just about some kind of airy-fairy, any faith will do so long as you have some kind of faith thing. No, this is about the living God. This is about the God of the Bible. This is what happens, what can happen, when he is really in your life and you are living your life his way. But the question that this has raised for me is, how do I react? How do I react to the hardships that come my way, the lesser hardships in life? 
And more importantly, how should I react to those hardships? But let's be very clear here. Hardships will come in life. Whether we're Christians or whether we're not Christians, hardship will come our way. And Jesus made that very clear, not only implicitly by the example of his own personal life experience, but also explicitly in his words, in his teaching. For example, in that verse that Jonathan shared earlier, John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. You will have trouble. We will have trouble. Not, I pray, ever at the level suffered by Magdalene McCullough. But we will have trouble. We will. And for some, this happens early in life as they have to go through the pain, perhaps, of an unhappy and even an abusive childhood. Then there's that, that phone call that we receive that tells us that someone we love, someone precious to us, has gone. Or there's that conversation that we have at work when it suddenly dawns on us that we're no longer required. We're finished there. Then for some, there's the time when the person that they committed their life to looks them in the eye and says, it's not working for me. It's over. For others, there's the ongoing heartbreak and frustration and pain involved as they look on and see a rebellious child throwing away their opportunities and gifts, just destroying their lives. Then there's the time when a doctor looks over the desk at us and we know that it's bad news. You see, all of us will suffer trouble in life. We'll all suffer hardship of one kind or another in our lives. It is unavoidable. It is inevitable. The question is, how do we react when trouble comes our way? Well, let me tell you the way that, as I see it, these things so often are actually handled. The kind of process that people fairly commonly seem to go through. First, there's shock and disbelief. This can't be happening and above all it can't be happening to me then there's the the blaming stage the time when we decide that it's time to look out for targets the blame game it's his fault it's her fault it's their fault even when we run out of nearby targets or we're looking for one last big one to fire away at it's God's fault he's let me down then we move on to the withdrawal stage. We withdraw from people. We draw into ourselves, give way maybe to self-pity. And this usually gives way on to, to anger and rage and bitterness. That somebody has got to pay for what I'm going through. Somebody has to answer for what I am suffering. Then there comes shame. As our mind and our emotions begin to catch up with one another. And so as we face up to ourselves and the emotions that we felt where we're overwhelmed by shame at the way that we've reacted. We just cannot believe that we would have thought this way and behaved the way that we have. Now for many people at some stage along this, this emotional journey, they slip into 
despair, into depression, into a sense that they are totally and utterly defeated by the challenges that life has brought their way. And I think it's right to say that antidepressants are the most prescribed drug in the United Kingdom. Now let me say, I believe that antidepressants have a place. They do. At the very least, they can give a, a respite from some of the physical symptoms that we're suffering that enable the deeper roots of some depressions to be uncovered and dealt with. However, that said, I do believe that there are greater resources available to the Christian that can enable us to overcome in the face of life's hardship, maybe used in tandem with these other things, these resources, though, are there. But too often, Christians seem to be unaware of this. So they feel overwhelmed by life. They feel they shouldn't feel this way, but they do. And they find it hard to believe that life can ever be any better than this again. Well, I want to say to you this morning that life doesn't have to be this way. This isn't the way life should be. Life can get better. In Jesus, we can overcome. We can. Because listen to what it goes on to say in John 16, 33. And again, Jonathan shared this. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, in I hope you get a hold of this. Knowing God, knowing God through Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that you will get an easy passage through life. No, but what this does mean and can mean and will mean, if you are open to God, what it means is that your hardships can be transformed. What it means is that faith brings, that faith can bring, light and hope into the very darkest of life's experiences. But, but how can this happen? How by faith in Jesus are we able to overcome the hardships of this life, to overcome this world and all that it brings our way? Well, what I want to do this morning is just look at one vital ingredient that when it's there, I believe, in our lives will help at least to bring this about. And I want you just to look at this and then I want to, to try and open it up. And it is, it is belief. Right belief. You see, we need to be clear. We need to be crystal clear about what we believe about God. And on the basis of that, what we believe he's doing in our situation and what we believe we can expect him to do. We have to be clear about that and we have to be clear before we go into a time of trial. We need to be clear about that. When life's going fine, thank you very much. We need to be clear. We need to make sure that that's in place because I tell you when life's tough times come, then you can be absolutely sure that the evil one will attack you on the faith level and that you, because of your humanity, will not be capable of thinking clearly at that time. 
So make sure that you're clear what you believe. Make sure that you know what you believe before you go into a time of trial. And then hold on to that tenaciously. Hold on to that with every fibre of strength you have in your being, with all your might. So let me just outline some of the key truths that I need, that we, I believe we need to be clear about and hold on to if we're going to make it through the tough times of life. First, that the Bible makes it clear that evil and the suffering and hardship that so often are the result of evil. That these things come from the devil. That God is never the source of evil. But that such is God's sovereign power that God can and God does use the results of evil actions, uses the times of hardship and suffering that come. He uses these things to achieve his purpose for our lives and for our world. A good example of this kind of interaction is found in the passage earlier in the the life of Job, in the, the famous book of Job, that Satan brought suffering and hardship into Job's life. And God in his sovereignty, God allowed this to happen because men will suffer, good men will suffer, good women will suffer in a sinful world. But then, in his sovereign power, as Job held on to God, so God then acted to both bless Job and to bring glory through Job to his own almighty name. So when hard times come your way, my friends, as they will, and you know that they will because they have already, then don't forget that it's Satan who stands behind Don't forget that he's trying to use whatever you're going through to beat you down and ultimately destroy you. But even more, do not forget that as by faith you hold on to God, even if it's by your fingertips, do not forget that God can and God will use whatever you're going through for your good. And certainly, for the greatest good of all, he'll use it to make you more like Jesus and so bring glory to his name. If all this sounds maybe a bit cold and a a little bit calculated and clinical, God in his sovereignty allowing hardship to come our way and then coming in and his overruling power and using it and blessing it, sanctifying it. If all this sounds a little bit emotionless, God is, in a sense, some kind of celestial chess player, just moving the bits around and working out his plan for our lives. If that's the case, if you feel that way, then let me just share two verses with you by Jeremiah from Lamentations. Lamentations 3, 32 and 33. And it says there, Though he brings grief, He will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. You see, whatever happens in our life, whatever's happening in our life, happens because in some way that's beyond our understanding, it has to happen. 
It happens because he has to give Satan leeway in our lives. Maybe to stir us into a new phase of spiritual growth. Maybe to prepare us for a new area of ministry. Perhaps to enable us to be an influence in some other person's lives. Or perhaps in order to deal with an area of sin in our lives that has to be dealt with and can be dealt with in no other way. For these reasons, a whole host of other reasons, God allows hardship and suffering and sorrow into us, into our experience. But as we suffer, as we go through these times of trial, our great God stands with us. And he's with us, ready to enable us, ready to strengthen us, ready to carry us through. And in his love, he draws near to us. He feels for us. He comforts us. As we shed tears here on earth, I believe that tears are shed for us in heaven. Another key and closely connected truth is that God limits the severity of our trials so that we in his strength can overcome. And you know, I think this is just so important to know. That throughout life, as we journey through life, and as we turn to God, that God is able at every point along the way to give us the strength and the resources we need to carry on and to overcome at that particular point. In life, you know, knowing this, I once read it is often the key factor that will determine whether we have a defeatist mentality or an overcoming spirit. So, you see, in the light of that, I believe we've got to learn the truths, we've got to learn the, the promises of the Bible that relate to this. We've got to know these and be clear about them. A couple of examples 1 John 4, verse 4 the one who is in you is greater than the one. Who is in the world? And in Philippians 4.13, famous verse, I could quote among many others, where it says, I can do everything. That's God's promise, not anything that we want, but he, we can do everything that he calls us to through him who gives me strength. See, we need to know these promises. We need to know these truths. And then when the hard times come in our lives, we need to hold on to them. We need to remember them and trust in them. And you know, again and again, God's people have proved these truths in their experience. They've proved it, that God is able to keep his people, that God is able to enable them to hold on to faith, to hold on to their hope in him right up to the very point of death. Yet another, I believe, vitally important truth is that God is always and completely available to his people in the midst of their troubles. Now, we have to say here that this isn't always how we feel when we're passing through troubled times. In fact, what I believe we more often feel, at least in some point along the way, is that God feels so far away. We feel that God is nowhere to be found. Let me just say here, I don't believe we should kind of get dwell on that, get caught up with that, beat ourselves up about it. I don't think we should do that because that's just totally counterproductive. We shouldn't because, you see, when we go through trials, then inevitably that's going to be physically and emotionally and mentally demanding. 
And then when we're pulled down in those areas in life, that has got an inevitable, cannot be denied or stopped, knock-on effect on us spiritually. It does, because we're whole people, because every part of our being is interconnected. So you see, when we're suffering in one area of our life, then it will, not it might, but it will spill over and affect these other areas of our life. So you see, it's not surprising, nor is it, in a sense, wrong when we're going through trials to pass through at least a time when it seems that God is far away. That's not wrong. That's called being a human being. It's not wrong to feel that. But where it becomes wrong is when we stay there. It becomes wrong when we allow ourselves continuously to be dominated by our feelings. When we, are, when we allow our lives to be ruled by our feelings. That's wrong. Instead, what we need to learn to do is to hold on to faith. What we need to learn to do is to live by faith. We need to hold on to the truth and the promises that are there in God's word. For example, here, Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God's there, right with you, right beside you when your heart is breaking. Now let me here just share with you something related to this that I've found to be of great practical help for me in, in these kind of times. And that is, you know, the Israelites were, were great people for setting up memorials. They were great people. God taught them to be like this. For, for putting something in place that would serve to remind them of a time when God had acted in their life in a particularly powerful and gracious way. Just one example in the book of Joshua. Before they crossed over the Jordan, Joshua, led by God, called together 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He told them, Joshua 4 verse 5, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each one of you is to take a stone up on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of God forever. Now I say to you, I've built some faith memorials into my life and I advise all here who truly know the Lord to do the same. That is, I've had times in my life when things have been going wrong. And God has stepped in. God has provided for me and met with me in a particularly clear and powerful way. I've had times in my life that have been very dark when God has seemed and felt so far away. But then God has drawn close to me. God has made himself known to me in a special way. And these dark times have been the most wonderful times of my life. I want to tell you, 
Store up these events. Remember them. Make them faith memorials, faith memories in your life. And these will give you the confidence. When things start going wrong in your life, when God seems so far away in the here and now, these will give you confidence to believe that God is going to get you through again. That right up to the point of death, that he is going to be able to work in you for your good and for his glory. And that brings me to the fourth key truth that I believe we really need to get a hold of. A truth that we've already touched on in a number of, of different ways already this morning. And this truth is that God is able and God is totally committed to forming something worthwhile and good even out of the hardships of my life. As that famous verse, Romans 8, verse 28 puts it, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Do you know that's true. It's true that God can, God will, and God does. As we turn to him, work in every situation, every experience of our life for our good, and above all, for the ultimate good of making us through this more like Jesus and enabling us to love Jesus even more. But sometimes hard to believe, isn't it? That good can really come out of the experiences that we go through in life. And maybe you find it hard to believe good can come through what you're going through right now. Well, I want to tell you, I was inspired a long time ago when I read the story of an American Christian leader by the name of John Perkins. He was just in his teens during the beginnings of the Civil War movement in America, living right in the deep south in Mississippi. But he was a very enthusiastic, committed, idealistic young Christian. And when he heard Martin Luther King's call for racial justice in America, it just inspired him and changed the direction of his life. So later on in the, the 1960s, the late 1960s, he joined a peace march there in Mississippi. And all they were doing on this peace march was marching along and just singing hymns. But in common with many others, he was pulled out of line and he was thrown into prison. And that night he was beaten by white prison warders. His only crime was the colour of his skin. But he was beaten close to death. He spent many months in hospital while his bones knitted together and his physical wounds healed. But you know what was even worse were the wounds on his heart and on his soul. Because for a long time after this, he was disillusioned and bitter and angry. But he held on to God. Through it all, he held on to faith. Maybe at times only by his fingertips. But he held on. Many years after this, he was asked, Did God bring any good through what you went through then? His reply was yes, he certainly did. For before this, I thought I loved Jesus. I thought I appreciated what he'd done for me, what he'd suffered for me. But after my beating, when I thought about it, 
and realised that what I had suffered was a fraction of what he suffered. And he volunteered for that. He did it willingly, knowing what he was going to suffer for me. Something I would never do for anybody. Well, that made me love him even more. More than I could ever have loved him before. Also, he shares that what I went through made me realise my sinfulness in a way that I never had before. Or oh, I had accepted in theory that I was a sinner. But for a time after that attack, my heart was eaten up with hatred and bitterness. My mind was consumed with thoughts and plans of revenge. God brought me through that though. He changed my hate into love. He replaced my thoughts of revenge with a forgiving spirit. But now though, I know, not just in theory but in fact, that I stand on level ground with every man and woman as a sinner before God. I know that I'm no better than anybody else, that I'm no easier to love than anybody else. And that helps me to reach others. And it makes me love God even more. The final good that the Lord brought out of John Perkins' experience is that it led him to give his life, to devote his life to the cause of racial reconciliation in the United States to the extent that he became a national voice in this area. But actually, think about it. How many other men and women, having gone through a similar kind of experience, have gone on to live lives that have been filled with hatred and anger and bitterness that so often have spilled over into acts of destructive violence. But you see, this man turned to God in his suffering. And so while what was done to him was evil, was bad, was wrong and unjust, yet God brought good out of it. I want to ask today, are we ready? Are you ready to do the same? Are we ready to make the same choice and turn to God? Are we ready that he can, to believe that he can bring good out of whatever we go through in life? That he can use whatever we experience to help us to love Christ more, to help us to see more clearly our basic sinfulness and our need? Are we ready to believe that God can use whatever we go through to give us a greater love and a greater sensitivity towards others in their need? If we know the truth, believe the truth, if we know God and hold on to God and turn to God, then I believe God can do this in us, for us, and through us. But it does all begin at the level of getting a hold of these truths that we've looked at. These truths can make the difference. They can change our life. So let's make sure that we know them and that they're part of our life now so that we can cling on to them when hardship comes our way. Let's pray together.
Father, we want to thank you for what we learn through your word and through the experience of your people down through the ages. Lord, as we turn to you, as we turn to our God, as we trust in your word and in your promises, you are able. You're able to work in our lives and through whatever experience we're passing through. And you are able to use it and to use us for your glory. Lord, help us by faith to cling to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.